there, and welcome to another episode of Unleash Love. My name is Clemo Young, and I'm your podcast host. Today, I'll be interviewing a lovely woman by the name of Pauline Driz. Pauline is a mutual friend of uh, some of the people I had on the show so far. So I really only met her recently online through these people. And when I heard her story, I knew straight away that I had to invite her to come and talk about it on the show. Um, we discussed the relationship she had with her ex-partner and all of the challenges that they went through together uh, to grow and emerge from that relationship stronger than when they went in. We talk about so many different things. We talk about, I would say the most important topics are fear of loss, going through that loss together, uh, and you know a lot of physical challenges too that just contributed to a very unique and insightful experience that I'm very proud to share with you. So without further ado, let's jump straight into the episode. Talking to you about uh, your past and your uh, romantic life and your own personal development has been really interesting. And, and, I, and I wanted to dive into some of that with you because it's it, it really I think I think it's got the power to that people can relate to it. And, and people can understand maybe, you know, hearing you talk about those things, what they've gone through in the past or what they're about to go into because it has similarities and, 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 and some of these subjects are taboo. Um, you know, I mean, mental health is something that people don't generally talk about as freely as you do, which, which really caught me off guard. Cause I, I mean, I'm also someone who I'm still trying to get comfortable with it and I tr I'm trying to share uh, but there's still a side of me that's like, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say those things because maybe people will think, oh, this guy's messed up or he's weird mm -hmm. or he's, you know, so there's that side of it too. So, uh, you know, that's really, that's really kind of like, uh, what I think we can, we can dive into, but, but, but to start with, you know, going back to the conversations that we had about 2020 and dating and stuff and yeah. how difficult it is. It is really difficult. Yeah. What, what, how, what, why do you, I mean, what's your experience with it so far compared to like, were you using dating apps before the virus? Yeah. Um, before, no, because, um, so I was using dating apps like five years ago. And then I stopped because I was in a relationship. And then I wasn't really, like, I wasn't really thinking about dating mm -hmm. until I think July or like July, August. Why did and it take that long? You just wanted to be single and not worry about that kind of thing? Yeah, because because I'm busy and most of my friends are single. Mm -hmm. And so and I heard stories from them. And I don't want to be in that position, like like you know, just hearing stories from them. Like oh, I don't want to experience that. 
And at that time, even though we were broken up, we were still talking. Oh, yeah. So we, we know that, like, we, we didn't talk about our feelings. We didn't talk about our relationship, but we were just talking about life. Mm-hmm. And for me, I didn't want to, like, disrespect him in a way that I'm still talking to him and then I'm in a dating app. Yeah. Right. You get my point? Absolutely, yeah. No, that's that's good. That's uh, it, it shows that you, you know, you've got principles and things, and I think that's important. Uh, do you still talk with him? Right now, no. We, we decided that we should stop talking because we should feel that we've really broken up. Mm-hmm. Because we don't call it a breakup necessarily. I, for me, it's, we, we separated. It's like his, it's like his worldly death. Yeah. Interesting. What, what does that mean? Let's talk about that, him and his, his journey and why you guys broke up. So how will I start? I mean, should I start from the beginning? Should I start from? Yeah, because actually I don't think we've talked about how you met and what it was like at the beginning and then the kind of transition towards, you know, his behavior changing and his, his goals changing as well and how you dealt with that. So yeah, feel free to start at the beginning, like, you know, how you met and what it was like. Yeah, maybe I should, I should start there. So, so I lived in KL 20, for two years. So I met him there. And at first, our relationship, like, you know, honeymoon phase. And then suddenly it became so toxic. Like He's British, right? He is British. Right, right, right. So for two years, we were on and off. And it was really toxic. Why? And then because um because at that time I was in I wasn't in the right uh, mental space. I didn't know I had something. He was the one who called me out. That's why I was that was that's why I, I am thankful for him. Yeah. He called me out. He, he he said, You think I think that you need to see a therapist. Blah blah. blah. So so we were on and off for, for two years. Michael knows this because... Michael, our mutual uh, friend. Yeah, she's yeah. been to go too, yeah. Yeah, so because um, I would go then and suddenly after that we've broken up and then it's just on and off. Oh. And then at that time, I would always like one, I would always like, I really wanted to win him back. I don't know why, but... In me, there was this feeling that I'm not done with you yet, or I haven't shown I haven't shown you how much I love you yet. Some I don't know, but that's what I felt. Got it. Like, I was chasing him. Yes. But he was chasing me back as well. Yeah. But, but it just got really toxic. Do you think it's because you feel like you there was something happening inside of you? that wasn't capable of having just a normal, healthy relationship. And therefore you kept trying to get that, but you couldn't stop yourself from sabotaging it. Maybe, I don't know. Or maybe I was just attached to him because when we were broken up, I tried to date other men. Yeah. But it, it wasn't like, it wasn't working. Like I was pretending to like them. I was pretending to, cause before, before I met him, I had access, but to be honest, like 
I, I was with them just for the sake of having a relationship. Mm-hmm. But with him, I really felt different. Even though it was toxic, I felt something different. That's why maybe I crave our relationship. What do you think it was like? Just, I don't mean to dive into it that, but what do you think it was about that person that was different than the ones, the other relationships you were trying to have? Because I think he saw right through me. Right. So he, he was, was transparent with you. Yeah, he was the one who called me out and he was the one who told me to see a therapist. Yeah. So he appreciated that because, you know, it hurts to have to go through, you know, that kind of criticism. Yeah, and I didn't feel like it, he was criticizing me. I felt like, okay, maybe there's really something wrong with me because I felt that there's something wrong with me because before I don't cry. Oh, at all? at all like my dad uh my dad uh suffered a heart attack and i didn't even cry but mm. i know it was like i was hurt and i was i don't know what emotion should i feel mm. and i don't cry so that's why he he was weirded out like why can't i get any emotion from you yeah, I, I understand. And I understand that that might make someone think that way. Although now I'm already wondering, well, did you ever get to the bottom of that? I know we're dive, we're jumping around here, but uh, but have you have you figured that part of you out? Yeah, that's so that's when I got my diagnosis. Right. So I went to, I went to therapy, not because of me. I went to therapy because of him. Right. Because I didn't want to do it. it. And then you agreed to go because you yeah. were suggesting it. Yeah. Mm. And then the relationship. But at that time, he was a bit, he was not in the, how would I call it? Not in the right head space as well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that two years was very toxic, but I was getting help. He was getting help. The need he needed so after that, um, we, re- we had a fight, uh, 2017 uh-huh. of, uh, I think October. And then like, I think we were broken up for like two months mm-hmm. and I thought that was it. I thought that was over. And then November, December of that year, he contacted, he contacted me again. But I was, I was like, okay, like, I don't know what will happen, but I was open, but deep inside me, of course I want him back. Yeah. But you didn't want to go through similar situations. Yeah. Cause I don't want to be, cause I really fell in love with him. Like I could say that he's the first guy that I fell in love with. Yeah. And then, um, uh, he visited me. I think I. I think that was January. Right. So that's when we. Was it January? I think that's February for my birthday and for Valentine. So January we were just talking, and then Feb, he came to visit me for Valentine's and my birthday, and then he decided, okay, let's be together properly. 
And then so he, because he was, because at that time he was also taking up psychotherapy. Okay. But he didn't push through with that and he decided, okay, I'm just going to come here. Was studying psychotherapy or he was having yeah. sessions? Oh, right. He was, he was studying psychotherapy. Gotcha. So he's really into mental health, uh, knowing how the brain works. He's really into that stuff. Right. And he was, he was doing uh, Vipassana. He did. He was like really... His, kind of like on the spiritual side. Spiritual, yeah. psychological. Yeah. Yeah. He, so, right. so Feb, um, Feb 2018, he would like almost every two weeks he would come and visit me. UK, Manila, UK, Manila, every two weeks. Wow. That's yeah. a long trip for yeah. two weeks. So, yeah. So, cause, uh, cause I was working at that time, so I can't visit him. Right. He's the one who, cause I think at that point he's just trying to win me back properly. Yeah. Because like it was so messed up before and now I'm going to show you that we can do this. And so that's was that that's, sorry was that after you'd been talking to therapists or during yeah. or, right gotcha so he kind of like he knew that there was some I guess progression and yeah thought that perhaps you know he might give it another shot got it yeah yeah and when when he visited me like everything was different it was lighter like of course we knew each other but it was like we truly knew each other on a different level i don't know what i don't know what was that but it was really different from before because he was going through the same stuff as well while he was studying psychotherapy psychotherapy he he he's he he is also having his therapy and I learned through him that mental health and I think everyone should go to therapy. We both believe that. Mm -hmm. Like for us, I, I believe that like everyone is a bit messed up in their heads Yeah, and it should be normalized. Therapy should be normalized. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, funny. I, I, I actually, I, I posted one of Mel Robbins statuses yesterday. Mm -hmm which was basically that saying therapy needs to be normalized uh well yeah just to just to try to relate to you i with my ex the the the, the lady that i was with last year tried therapy with her very similar situation we were both in need of it uh and uh i was the one who initiated that uh, at the behest of her she didn't really want to do it and in fact she she so much so that we only had one session um which was sad because i i, I thought that it was really you know i saw that there was a silver lining for both of us but you can't you know force someone to do something like that they have to want to do it themselves 
So that's really one of the challenges is that even though you know that there's an, uh, an opportunity to fix things in a relationship, it really requires buy-in from both sides. Otherwise, you're you're gonna you're gonna end up arguing, and uh, you know it's just not gonna work out. Um, so it was good that you you both agreed to it, and you both wanted to do it. And I feel like I feel like I'm excited to hear what happened next because you got so you got back together, or you just yeah. continued it, right? So we got wait uh, in relation to that. I think uh, wait is your ex Filipina or what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because um, in the Philippines, when you say go to therapy, they would think you're crazy. That's the, like, it's either you're not going to therapy or, and when you go to therapy, you're crazy. Like crazy, like uh, schizo crazy. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no, it's just now like there are groups, mental health groups that are helpful. So yeah. maybe that's why she didn't want to. And at that time, I knew, I always knew that, that, that there's something wrong in me. Like, I really want to know my brain. Like, why couldn't I, why couldn't I cry? Why couldn't I feel any emotions? Right. But don't you think that there's also a side of it though, that, you know, someone wouldn't want to know what's wrong with them because then they'd have to confront that because it's kind of like going to see the actual physical doctor, you know, the medical doctor who's, gonna tell you that you've got like you're going to see if you've got you know something wrong with you because you've got pain in your body and you don't want to go because you don't want it to be cancer or something uh i feel like that's what happened with my ex i feel like she knew there was something there very big and to go through that process was to bring it into the light which was terrifying every single time she admitted that there was work to be done and she could, she, there was something stopping her from, you know, every time she admitted that it was like, it was like she was being pulled from both directions and it was so much stronger just to stay where she was because it was too much hard work to deal with it, which is sad. Uh, yeah. So, so I would say you probably, I don't know if you're in the minority or if you're in the majority, but I think there's a lot of people who, who would feel that way, who just don't, don't want to do it because they're scared, especially in the UK. All right. Here, here in the UK, we have a different culture. Our culture is, uh, our culture is don't be weak. Uh, always look strong. Uh, never ask for help. Okay, this is an extreme way of thinking about it, but really, it's kind of like that here. So it's very difficult to get people to, uh, you know, look into these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It's getting better. That's the thing. I was like that. Like I was like, don't ask for help. Don't look weak. Always be strong. Because I grew up as an independent person. Yeah. So the the reason why I am, I am always thankful for Fred is because he was the one who taught me how to be vulnerable. When you mean you say you grew up as an indiv- uh, an independent person, what do you mean? Because I my parents are always working, mm. and I had no one to like talk to. I didn't know how to talk to anyone. 
So you, from a young age, you just were. In I was, yeah, I was keeping everything I feel to myself. And you know what? My my childhood childhood is a bit like fuzzy. I don't know. Like, if you ask me something about my childhood, I would just get some snippets of it. But mm. I don't. I think I blocked it because. For me as a child, it was, I think, traumatizing just to be alone. Right. Because right. I thought like trauma is just like physical trauma, sexual, sexual trauma, but like em, there's an emotional trauma as well. Like, you know, if your parents are too busy and I had, uh, they had my sister when I was 12 already. So imagine like being one to 12, I was left at home. By myself, I would like at eight, I know how to cook. Wow. Yeah. So I would cook my own meal. So I taught myself how to be strong. So you were really all day alone? Yeah. Like I would go to school and then when, after school, I'm just alone. Gotcha. Is so, it worked all night as well? Like normal parents job, like from, they would go home at seven. Uh, 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 like seven so I was just yeah alone and lonely yeah and I took it as like okay I have to be strong for myself because no one's gonna look after me but by myself but myself you know I and this is what I just learned um, recently that I had that um, I don't know the term but I had that um I block people. In your mind or like? In, in my mind. Like before, bef you know, before, before I met Michael and our uh, group of friends, I don't, I only have one friend, one or two friends. Right. Because for me, like, I don't want to get emotionally involved with anyone. Mm, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So Fred helped me a lot in that area mm -hmm. gotcha so yeah okay uh and, and then and then so sorry so yeah le, le carrying on from your <laughs> from, your uh history with fred so what happened so march he visited me again and i took a i think i took a month off from work wow yeah and then he told me, I think you need to resign and just be with me, help me with the business. Interesting. Okay. So he needs to settle his stuff in the UK and I need to settle my, what do you call that? Uh, when you resign and then you have to render. Right. So I resigned uh, September, October. Mm-hmm. So we moved, so we went to India for, we were supposed to be in India for a month, but I said, no, let's just leave India. And then we went to Bali. We lived in Bali mm -hmm. for about five months. And then I think uh, Bali made our relationship stronger because he had a motorbike accident. Oh, see yeah so we were in bali we were supposed to have like fun and enjoy 
Fali, but we were stuck there because of his accident. So his heel was like ripped open and then his arms were like broken. So I just, um, I just took care of him. Like I would bathe him, I would wash his bum. Like I was his nurse and his mother. Wow. Yeah. And he really appreciated. He he's vocal about it that he appreciated because I never complained. Like I didn't blame him. I didn't because I love him. You know. Yeah. So that's when we decided that we wanted to get engaged. So we got engaged in Bali, but it's a mutual engagement. It's like it's not like him proposing to me. Yeah. So that happened, and then, yeah, it our relationship grew stronger. Well, can I just backtrack for one moment, right? Uh, I just wanted to ask you what the circumstances were to bring about his suggestion for you to quit your job and join him in building his business. Because I wanted to quit my job for the longest time, like mm. 2000. 2014 because it's a dead-end job being a flight I was a flight attendant oh okay yeah it's a dead-end job and it's not me I'm an introvert and in my job I need to speak to a lot of guests or passengers and he knew that he knew that I was just not happy right so and he's he's always supported supportive of me that's why when he asked me to quit my job it was a good opportunity for me. So at first I was working for him. I was working with him in his business. And then suddenly I transitioned to become an artist. So right. he helped, he helped me with that. Right. So going back to Bali, so that, and then after Bali, we would, we, we decided to come back to the Philippines as our home base because you know, we didn't enjoy Bali. It was, I, I find uh, living there is so like shallow because everyone is like a surfer. Everyone wants to be someone, you know. Yeah, hipster and, paradise. Yeah, hipster paradise. And like we were not in that space anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you, get, you I, get a bit of that a lot of places, don't you? There's... I think Bali is that is it's really just Bali, yeah. isn't it? It's not like Indonesia in general, but yeah, um, yeah. I know what you I know what you're talking about. Um, it, it attracts a certain type of person, and if you're not that type of person, then I, I don't think you feel attracted to it. Just like yeah. Manila attracts a certain type of person too. <laughs> Let's not go into that, but uh, yeah. So okay. So we decided. Okay, let's uh, make Manila our base, and let's just travel from Manila. Because mm -hmm. we wanted to travel a lot, and then I think that that that's our that's when we started our celibacy when he got an accident. Oh right, yeah. Because obviously, you know, you won't be able to continue with that. So, how long did his injury last? I think uh, he was properly healthy for about. After two months, I think, two to three months. Gotcha. 
So, but, and then before that, before coming back to the Philippines, we went to Sri Lanka. Okay. This is where the... The... <laughs> the light of... You know, like, this is when he decided that he wanted to dive into his spiritual journey again. Right. What so happened? When, so we went to Sri Lanka and I wanted to visit this tourist spot to, to take a picture. But we couldn't find it. What we found is a Buddhist uh, bookstore. And he asked me if we can go there. And for me, yeah, sure, why not? So it took him like four hours just looking at books, reading. And because I'm not a complainer. Like, I am a complainer, but if I'm, like, enjoying what I'm doing or if I'm doing you a favor, I'm not going to complain. Mm. So he really appreciated that. So that, his, his, I think that that was his second journey in his spirituality started again. So... After that, he said he he wants to try to meditate, to get into meditation again because he lost it. Yeah. It's not the easiest thing to do in a world that's this noisy. I, I mean, I do it as well, um, but I don't do it every single day like i'll try but sometimes i just can't be bothered or sometimes i'll think uh never mind so it is pretty difficult to continue doing it yeah so the bookstore wanted to start meditating again so he started again december so right. it's very difficult i tried to meditate with him but i would try it for five minutes or blah so he started gradually and yeah. then i knew when we went to that uh, bookstore, I knew that, okay, this is it. Because before he told me, before we, I think this was like 2017. He yeah. told me that um, I don't think I wanted to be in a relationship because he wants to go into that spiritual path. Yeah. But you know, that thought is on and off. Right. So I didn't. I didn't take it too seriously and maybe he didn't too. But when we went to that bookshop, it hit me like, oh, maybe this is it. Yeah, because he spent so long and he seemed to be really into it. Yeah. So yeah. But we, like, we didn't really talk much about it. It just said like he wanted to meditate again and be, and in, and be spiritual again and in search of enlightenment search for enlightenment or of enlightenment again mm -hmm. so that and then so we moved here December so he's already practicing meditation he would practice by himself and he found a a temple here a Chinese temple when they, where they practice meditation right sometimes I go with him sometimes I don't but he's just consistent and he enjoys it yeah and then so at that time we were already celibate we, we never tried but we talked about it uh, how did you feel about that because for me I mean 
Uh, I think we were we were already in the space that sex wasn't as important mm-hmm. as before because in our toxic uh, in the toxic part of our relationship, it was very lustful. Yeah, yeah. But at that time, we were just in a space where we wanted to grow. You know, oh, this is an interesting, this is such a great thought that I've never really verbalized before, but now it's an opportunity to talk about it. When you're in a toxic relationship, sex is usually what I find. And I think I see it in other stories too. It's like a cure for the toxicity. It's like a, it's like a remedy. And so you're always kind of like seeking that because it's, it's a validation. Right. Yeah. Okay. So not only is it a physical, uh, relief and an emotional relief, but it's also like a mental relief too. Like, Oh God. Yeah. We're still, he still wants me or, you know, yeah. that's it's, fascinating. It's I think. Lustful. It's, it's, it's like, if you had sex, okay, I'm validated. He still wants my body. He's not going to leave. Yeah. But, but at that time we were, we were already out of that space. Like we were, we wanted to, we want our business to grow. We want, we want, we wanted our mental health to grow, our spiritual lives to grow. So, and we talked about it because uh, for him, like uh, open communication is the best um way to have a healthy relationship like if you want to say something say it even even though he will be or i will be offended you have to say it yeah um so on the flip side when you have a healthy relationship uh the sex aspect of the relationship doesn't tend to be as lustful right it's 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 just naturally not going to be as therapeutic as or or i guess um desired as much as it would be if you were always at each other going through this tr- tremendous drama with each other and some people are really worried about that they're they're actually i would i would say that people fear losing that kind of lust and 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 this is a really important thing to talk about is like how do you and, and i'm not asking you to to kind of like you know give me the answer but you know feel free to chime in but how do you keep the balance between having a great sex life and a relationship that's focused on transparency and uh, mutual, uh, like, uh, long-term desires, you know, because that's not easy to go through with someone. You know, you've got to always constantly critique yourself and uh, be willing to let the other person, I guess, highlight areas of improvement and that can be emasculating for men that can be really emasculating i'm thinking from the guy's perspective you know your partner's telling you that you know uh well you know maybe we can, you can do this better or maybe right because it's important you're being transparent you're being long-term mindset for, for men. men i think you know what i'm trying to say is there's this stereotype of the man being the dominant one and yeah. being the submissive one. And that's a very 
sexy thing for a man because the man gets the power and the man feels sexy when he's powerful. So with our situation, because um, he, uh, how will I say it without being, without sharing his story? Because, <laughs> for example, uh, when we, so we were celibate because of his um, accident. And then, of course, I was worried that we're not having sex, maybe he's feeling or maybe I was feeling like, am I not enough, blah, blah. So I opened it up, like, because I, I didn't want to do it either. Like, for me, it's just a waste of time at that time, you know, because you get, we still desire, we still have desire for each other. But for us, it's just, you know, you'll, have, you'll do this, you'll have sex, and then you'll be sleepy, and then you won't be productive. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And you have to weigh it. Do you want to just do that for pleasure or do you want to grow? Mm. And and for us, I think it, it was helpful because we're, we are always on the same page. Yeah. Like when I felt that I needed to talk to him about our sexual life, he was on the same, he was on the same page. Like, okay, I'm satisfied that we're not having sex and I think it is healthy for us. As, I think as long as both of you talk about it. Yeah. If you don't talk about it, for example, if I don't tell it to him, I would be like, maybe he doesn't love me because he's not touching me anymore or he would feel the same. But it was healthy because we talked about it. Yeah, you're we not leaving about, questions unanswered. Yeah, we, we talk like... And also we were on the same page that we don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, well, I mean, as long as you both agree on that, that's, uh, I, I would be, I would be willing to co- kind of like challenge the idea that this is just a normal thing. I think it is a normal thing, but I don't know if it's natural. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I think mm-hmm. our lifestyles lead us down a certain path where it yeah. becomes normal, but it's not necessarily natural. So yeah. Yeah, there's hope for everybody. Any guy who's listening to this who's like, oh, shit, uh, I think there's, I think it's okay. I think you don't have to worry about it too much. Yeah, yeah, I think it's okay. As long as, for example, you have a partner that is okay with that. You get me? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's, that's definitely the most important part of it is like, no matter what happens to me physically, uh, you know, I'm not going to lose my partner. You know, she's not that superficial. He's not that superficial. Um, but, but, but just to reiterate, like, I think exercise is key to, to, you know, uh, maintaining testosterone levels and, uh, people, you know, we don't realize how important the hormones are and how our lifestyles influence the, you know, uh, the, uh, homeostasis, which is like basically the, the operating of the human body. And, um, just in my own experience, I mean, I'm 37 years old, right? So, you know, I'm not a teenager, uh, anymore. And if I don't work out, which I do, like we talked about that before we started recording the call, I work out as much as I can. Um, it, 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 everything works, <laughs> everything works, you know, right. But if I stop working out, 
that's when things, you know, generally tend to go down the drain with me. Uh, and I think, uh, I think, I think, you know, lifestyle, uh, lifestyles are so important. What you eat, what you do, how you think the stress management, um, what kind, like, so what kind of supplements are you taking as you get older? I think it's common knowledge that supplements play a huge role in health anymore. Yeah. So that, that was his part. And then my part is just, I, I just couldn't be bothered. Like mm -hmm. I don't, even want to do it anymore because I don't get my validation from it anymore. Mm -hmm. That's that was my reason. Like, yeah, you know, like. So, so you, not, so you weren't like you weren't like secretly craving it. You weren't like kind of like no, right, not right, right, yeah. so no. you kind of like you kind of like just uh, slipped into that kind of root uh, rhythm. Where, yeah, and I yeah, and I think because we were living together, that's why we were in sync. Mm -hmm. I've been through that before. I mean, you know, so I know what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm very much familiar with that. I think that's normal in, in many yeah. cases. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was a good thing. So that's that part. And then, uh, what happened next? So Christmas, we spent Christmas together and then January, he started to be serious about it. Like he told me that, oh, maybe I can go to some monasteries in Thailand or Japan, try it a week, a month, three months, six months. Yeah. And then that happened. So, no, two, so 2019, January, we were living together, but he was really practicing and I was doing my art. So we, we almost doesn't sleep on the same bed. Because mm. sometimes he would like um, wake up too early and I would sleep late. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I would sleep on the couch and sometimes he would. But it was okay for us. I mean, there's no, like, there's no, there's no, it didn't bring up any issue. Mm -hmm. And then I think he went to Thailand. Um, so he went first, we went to Japan and we were there for a holiday and then he stayed for a week because he wanted to, uh, to check a monastery. That's mm. where he is right now. Oh, he's in Thailand right now. Oh, no, no, Japan. Japan. Oh, sorry, Japan. Yes. And then he went to Thailand, uh, March for three months. And then, and then that's when I wrote the Reddit post. Oh yes, uh -huh. so I showed you, right? Yeah, the Reddit post. I mean, that's a that's an that's a great post. It, it's very heartfelt, and it's almost like it's it seems when you read it as if you're writing it to yourself. You know what I mean? It's like it's almost yeah. like you're just you're renting it out finally. <laughs> Um, yeah, because, uh, you know, I live in the Philippines. Most of my friends are Christian. Yes. Christian. And nobody would, like, um, understand what I was going through. Because they would just say, like, then make up with him, move on, or ask him to stay. Like, And in me, I'm just here to support him. Yeah. We were just supporting each other, and that's what he wanted. So I wanted to support him. Maybe that was his purpose. So I, but I was really like, it was really painful. 
at that at that time I was really crying almost every day when he was away because mm-hmm. it was fear of the unknown. Yeah, you know what we didn't talk about was because you you know you kind of you said you went to Japan. Mm-hmm. Was that just tourism? Yeah, for a holiday. We went for a holiday, and then, he, but he was he was already doing his meditation stuff. So he was searching for a monastery to try and he found one and he asked me, could I stay for a week? Okay. And then I said, yes, like there's no problem. So he stayed for a week. So he tried Japan. And then after, after Japan, he went to Thailand for three months. Yeah. For three months. Yeah. That was to stay in a monastery in Thailand for three months. Yeah. 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 Uh, gotcha. So that just came as a natural evolution of his one week trip to uh, stay in that Japan, Japanese one. Yeah, I think it's not just a one week evolution, but it was like he knew that he wanted to. We knew that he wanted to try it since like January. So you've already talked about him becoming like a monk. Yeah, but not a monk, but a lay person practicing his meditation. Gotcha. But uh, in that uh, in that letter that I wrote, right. It's, uh, I said that he would just write for a month, three months, and then six months, and then. Mm-hmm. And then it just became his thing. Yeah. So, after, so for three months, we didn't talk to each other. Like yes. There was, right. there was no contact at all. But at that time, I was at peace. At, at that time, you were at peace. That was yeah, when, the Reddit thing? Yeah, after the Reddit thing, like I was at peace that even though we're not talking, because you know, if you're in a long distance relationship, if you're not talking to your partner, yeah, it would worry you. Like, does he still love me, or why are we not talking? Gotcha. Yeah. But at that time, my my pain was coming from him being gone forever right not because we're not talking mm-hmm. but i was at peace with myself with him there like there's no trust trust issues there's no nothing like that like right. there's no i'm i'm i i didn't um question his love for me so for me that that's healthy like we were deta- we're not attached to each other and for me like a love that is not attached is healthy. Yeah. There's no attachment. There's just love. Okay. So about that, because that's a pretty difficult thing to explain to people, but I get what you're saying and I agree with you. Um, uh, Let me know if this is what you mean. An attachment relationship is not healthy because... It is predicated on the idea that you are incomplete without the other person and therefore you need them to be whole, which obviously has its problems. I mean, people experience this regularly on a daily basis is like, um, yeah, validation plays a key part there, right? Uh, and, And it leads to a whole bunch of problems. And I think one of the, one of the challenges we have is that, well, Hollywood is just literally 
the romance scene in Hollywood is literally that is like, I am not complete without this person. It's so many movies I can think of where that's the primary message, like Jerry Maguire, although Jerry Maguire, and I can't remember who I talked to about this, but the, the movie with Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire is, is a great movie. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a line in that movie where he says, you complete me. And she just like falls in love with them uh, all over again. But it doesn't end well for them, I think, if I remember correctly in that movie. And I think there's a reason why. So, so you know, no, you're essentially what you're saying is it's healthy to to know that you're already whole, that you mm-hmm, don't need yeah. someone else to complete you, uh, because then at least you are capable of seeing the other person for who they really are and not this kind of object that will satisfy your deepest insecurities right because that's that's really what happens i think because i think you really have you really need to love yourself first before you love anyone because how will you know how to love somebody if you don't love yourself like i know it sounds cliche but i think that's the truth it's like if you are not happy with who you are, how can you be happy with someone else? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that makes so much sense to me. And I've thought about that a lot and, uh, it never really hit me in real life until I broke up with my ex last Mm -hmm. September, because all of a sudden I was just alone and I couldn't really be in a relationship one because uh, the breakup was so traumatic that uh, that it really kind of shocked me to my core, and I didn't operate like I usually do. Like so, like usually in the past, I would I would break up and jump straight into another relationship. That's just that was my mode of being. But that that one really messed me up because we were so toxic that it made me question myself. Like what what is wrong with me as well? Um, and then secondly. I couldn't, uh, couldn't date anybody. <laughs> I was like literally, uh, restricted. Pandemic. <laughs> so it was kind of like a perfect storm. Uh, and it helped me investigate that entire concept where maybe the reason why I can't have any kind of functioning relationship is because I don't even have one with myself. And what I mean by that is, uh, going through, the uh the like the loneliness and the uh exclusion that I, that I was forced into you know it really highlighted the ways that I talked to myself in my mind the dialogue that I had with myself was very negative and uh it was insecure it still is to a certain degree. You know, I'm not going to lie. I, I still got so much to learn and I still feel quite uh, insufficient in many ways. But what, uh, what that statement basically says is if, if you have an insecurity, you know, you're going to look for the, you might look for the, the, the solution or the cure outside of yourself. And that never leads anywhere. Great. You know? And with that like you like when you like you have to love all of yourself like if you're insecure about something you have to love your insecurities for you to accept it do you know what i mean like yeah for example i'm insecure about this thing 
So I have to love it as like, this is me, I'm insecure about it. And then eventually you'll just, oh, maybe I'm not insecure because I love it. Yeah. You get me? Am I making any sense? Okay. Yes, because uh, come full circle to uh, that book, Sapiens, which is the one before Homo Deus, mm-hmm. you, you've all know a Harari book. In that book, I believe he discusses part of evolutionary biology, which is, uh, well, not biology, but evolutionary civilizations, uh, where whereby, you know, we get, we get, um, and it's possibly Jordan Peterson. I think it might be Jordan Peterson. Sorry. I love Jordan Peterson. <laughs> right. I think everyone does. And I talk about him way too much. People are probably rolling their eyes because I bring him up all the time. But there's a reason why. It's because he's really great and he's thought about these things a lot. Um, but, but yeah, I think it was him who said that uh, there's a very real reason why we get embarrassed uh, why we feel uncomfortable when a lot of people are looking at us. It's, it's for no other reason than we are programmed to fit in, to function as part of a, you know, a group. Yeah. And there's a structure to that group. And if there's historically, if, if, if we were being looked at by everyone in the group, it meant something really bad had happened and we were going to be either killed or exiled or just put to the very bottom. So we are trained to uh, notice this happening and take action, physiologically react to it and, and adjust our behavior so that we can survive. So, um, I, uh, I actually forget the point I was trying to make right now <laughs> like on, on a real tangent here. Um, but, but, but yeah, the, the, all of these kinds of behaviors are, um, they're super intertwined with our, uh, biology in our history as a species. And it's okay to be, here, here's the point I was trying to make. It's okay to be transparent. It's okay to be vulnerable because now we have the ability to, in retrospect, analyze the behavior and we're no longer in a position where, well, I hope we're no longer in a position where we're going to be exiled or, you know, uh, uh, reprimanded or killed for, 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 for having everyone in the room kind of question us. And I think that's, that's clear. You can make statements on Twitter that raise eyebrows. You can be the president of the United States and be just making all these crazy claims. And everyone's like, who the fuck is this guy? But then nothing, you know, Yeah. right. So we have the ability now to speak our truth um, which is funnily enough, the topic of my previous discussion yesterday with Pepe on this show, uh, speaking the truth, because you, you got to get to the bottom of it, right? I mean, uh, uh, evolving, right? As a species, like we got to find a way to get to the bottom of our behavior and, and make things, make things better. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Maybe that's why he is in his spiritual path. That's why other like other monks are there to know what like what's really happening why so so let's talk about that then what we what is your has he ever told you exactly and do you think that's the real truth is the reason why he's pursuing that or do you think there's something else there as well he talked to me about some stuff but for sure there is more to that 
which I don't really want to discuss because it's his personal reasons. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally and, and it's his story to tell, not mine. Nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, it's not a simple thing to choose. That's a very difficult choice to make, I would say, because you're inherently to spirituality and meditation and you know being part of a temple you're choosing to forego all of your worldly pleasures which is terrifying for me because i yeah. love watching netflix <laughs> i love <laughs> having a like a, 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 i don't know going out for a drink with friends or something even though i don't drink uh, uh, anymore but i love just enjoying the little superficial things in life so you love pleasure i love i love the, my idea of pleasure externalized yeah for good or for for better or for worse so it's terrifying to me to make that choice and i i also had thought about that in the past if i'll be honest with you i did it crossed my mind to seek a life which was so simple and the draw to that is clear if you if all you need to do and I'm not saying this is the reason why he chose to do it, but look, there's a, there's a real draw to this where all you need to do is just focus on yourself and, and, and every day have a routine and just be present. That is, it's interesting because at the moment I got like two phones, I got a laptop, I've got three brands, I've got social media stuff I need to do, I've got clients, I've got staff, I've got, and it's just, it's overwhelming sometimes, you know, you really want to just kind of like run away. Yeah. So I but, did think about that. But you know what? Uh, we say that it's simple, but it's the most difficult thing to do. Right. The most, the most difficult thing to do is to do nothing. Right. Try to like work what one hour. Try not to think about your phone. Try not to think about anything. And that is the most difficult thing to do. Cause yeah. we because now we're so distracted with a lot of things and we enjoy it. We enjoy being distracted. And that's why I look up to him in a way that how can he do that? Like, how can he like just go into a monastery and just give up everything, including <laughs> and just do it. But it's difficult because I've tried meditating. I'm, I still meditate, but not as intense as someone would, but it's the most difficult for me. It's the most difficult thing to do. Yeah. It's very difficult. Mm. Yeah, it's it's simple when you're maybe at it, when you think about it, but it's not that simple. Mm. Like, try to give up your business. Mm -hmm. Try to give up your flow and try to get, you know, try to give up the simple things in life and search. Yeah, I have this theory. It's not really a theory, but it to me, it's kind of like a theory that we're all addicts. We're all addicted to uh the 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 i the, the message that we're that we're enough we're we're addicted to outside influence of of being told we're 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 lovable um and it's it it gets 
it, it gets in the way of us living on our own terms, you know, living life on our own terms. So to me, giving everything up and just trusting that you're lovable, no matter what you're, you're enough, right? That's essentially what a monk is there. They've given up everything external. They are servants. Uh, they are complete. They're seeking the completeness, right? Which you can call it uh, enlightenment or whatever you want to say. But um, to me that, you know, if from a certain angle, that's the most honorable thing to do, actually. Yeah, I think it is. That's why, like, when we we separated, like, so our separation wasn't as heavy as other breakups. Mm -hmm. Like, we separated in a good way. We just talked about it. Like, our our goals just didn't align anymore. Mm -hmm. Because at first, um, I was supposed to wait for him for five years. And I was willing to do that. Yeah, and he was willing to come back after five years. Oh wow! So there was a five-year <clears throat> kind of time. Plan. Interesting. Yeah, but uh, while so he's he's in Japan right now, and uh, the Roshi there, the teacher, is grooming him to be the next teacher. Right. And when because uh, like we would talk like every like once a month or twice a month. And he would say something about that. And like, I felt it was already hurting me. Mm-hmm. So I told him that his, like, I love hearing his stories because we don't really talk about our feelings anymore because our feelings are there. We know that we love each other. So there's no talk about like, how do you feel if I do that? How do you feel if I... There's no real point in discussing. Yeah. So we just like, when he was just telling it, I was like, I felt that, okay, this is it. He's not going to come back. So I have to decide for myself. Mm-hmm. Do I have to wait for like nothing? Because I felt that he, I felt that he wouldn't come back. Let's talk about you and how you have internalized everything. Cause this is an interesting intersection to live in. You're kind of in between the knowledge that uh, we are enough without having anyone else in our lives. But you're also on the other side, you've got your human, I guess your uh, primal desires, needs. uh, And so which side you've chosen, have you chosen to take a side? Does it even, does that even make sense to say that? Or how do you, how did you deal with all of that so far? I think, well, I think the pandemic helped because it was like, it was, how was it? Like I was in a secure place because I know he was just there. Mm-hmm. But when that, when, when we were talking about him being the Roshi, like I knew that he's not going to be there forever. The Roshi is like the teacher, right? The, the teacher, mm-hmm. the main teacher in Japan. He would need to be full time. It's not yeah. like you can bring you in and say, hey, everybody, here's my girlfriend. Say hi to Paul. Yeah. <laughs> She'd be like, yeah, I think that would be pretty you know, awful. What are your thoughts about 
how you've changed as an individual this entire time? I grew a lot as a person. Like, mm-hmm. I, th- but I believe that, um, like, each and every one of us evolve every day. Like, I'm a different person from yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think that. But, like, uh, five years ago, like, because... How will I say it? Like, it's difficult. If if it's coming from me, it's difficult. But I mean, I because I wouldn't say like being independent. Like I grew because I'm like I'm now independent. I I've always been independent, but now I learn how to ask for help. Mm, yeah. I learn I learn how to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I can feel emotions now. Because you'd shut them off after having a, a, an early life, which was basically feel and get hurt. So let's just not feel. Yeah. Mm. So I've learned how to like, and I, I've learned how to live in the present moment. That's, I think that's the, that's the best uh, lesson that I got from him. Mm. Yeah. Like, because I was a worrier. Like, I would worry about what will happen tomorrow. Like, what would happen ten years from now. And what I learned from him is just live in the present moment. Like, if you're writing, just live as if you're just writing. If you're taking a shower, if you're washing your clothes, like if I'm talking to you, or just live in the present. If you're walking. You know, just every second of it. It's difficult to do, but that's what I I've learned from him. Yeah, that. So. Yeah, being present. Uh, I rarely do things. I rarely do things where I'm not thinking about something else at the same time. It, it's it's sad. Like you you'll you'll eat dinner, or I'll eat dinner. And I'll realize after eating dinner that I don't even remember what I just did while I was eating. Like, I, I, I can't mm. even remember what some of it tasted like because <laughs> I've been thinking about my, my, what I'm going to do when I'm finished eating, which is so sad. You know, you just missed out yeah. on all that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I learned because from that, it, that it's like that's the root. And from that um, lesson, like, it made me, like, feel my emotions like if this is what i'm feeling right now i have to feel it i don't have to hide it right you get my point like if i'm eating and then i suddenly feel this like it just grew from that am mm. i making any sense yes because if you're present i i suppose one of the conditions of being present is to accept the present moment right i mean Otherwise, it's going to be really difficult to be present. Uh, I don't yeah. think you can be present without accepting it, you know. With that. Um, so that makes sense. Yeah, you've got, to, you've got to feel everything. It doesn't mean you have to uh, continue to feel that way. I mean, okay, I've, I'm not a spiritual person necessarily, but I definitely have read books like The Power of Now. I've definitely, you know, listen to spiritual teachers and try to get some, you know, insight from it. And what I understand, especially from people like Eckhart Tolle, who talk about the present moment, is that um, 
we we resist it as if it's something that isn't okay. Uh, and mm-hmm. as a result, we get sick. We you know manifest illness and things because we're resisting what's actually really happening in life. And yeah. to accept it is is not to surrender to it necessarily, not to like let it kind of you know become us, but to just to just acknowledge it, uh, ac- acknowledge, like you said, the suffering, whatever kind of negative emotion is not a, necessarily a bad thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm ranting, but I, I think that's how, that's how I interpret it. Yeah. And, um, cause you know, there's a fo- like, there's a pressure, especially with our generation to always be positive. Like you have to be Mr. Oh positive, God, I Mr. Hate that. positive. I hate, I hate that. Have you seen, you, you know, the, the memes, the constant never ending kind of like, social media profiles that are just like always pumping out this. And I don't, I used to like those messages. I used to like them, but then when I started to really think about them and I read some of these messages, they're not, I don't feel like they're actually making sense. I feel like they're saying something that sounds great, but isn't actually real. Like it's not reality. Um, um, but, but yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I am not into the 100% positivity movement. So yeah, that's one more thing that I learned. Like, for example, I feel lazy and I have the right to be lazy. So it's not always like, oh, I have to work hard or hustle hard for me to achieve something. Yeah. You know, it's just like maybe self-acceptance is what I really like learned from this. Like, yeah, self-acceptance. Because if like, now I have accepted myself. So now I know what I want and I, and I know what I don't want. Like if you start to accept and love yourself, you'll also respect yourself. Yeah. I think self-respect is completely underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When you say you're going to do something, uh, th- this might not be entirely related uh, as much as I wanted it to be. But when you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, you lose a piece of your self-respect every single time and it mounts up over time. And uh, this this was one of the challenges that I think my ex really had gotten herself into, uh, dug herself into a deep hole with. She would always promise things and then not do them. And I think it just reinforced in her mind that she couldn't trust herself. She couldn't respect herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but self-respect is, uh, I think, uh, something that maybe today is more needed than ever, actually. Yeah. Because right now, like, I see that people would do stuff and lose, their, lose themselves. Like what? Like what? How, what kind of example do you think would be a good one? I, I mean, I can think of some, but uh, yeah. Like for example, work-wise, like um, they would they want to achieve this. Um, I don't know, like their career, and then and then they will lose themselves in the process. Mm. Like they would lose happiness or whatever. You know, they're like, chasing an idea of what they yeah. need to get love or mm-hmm. to be successful or mm-hmm. 
that happens a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. Some of the most popular, some of the most popular, uh, let's say, public figures today mm-hmm. are living exactly that fallacy. Yeah. And uh, for someone who is, I don't know, let's say insecure, when they interact with those people, they can be led to believe that they have all the answers because they're so confident and they're always saying, this is how you got to do it. This is how you got to be if you want to be successful in life and then you'll end up doing it. And then you, you kind of have to learn the long way around. So it's, it's at every level of our society. It's the leaders. Mostly I would say it's funny when you like look at it this way, but on a purely socioeconomic level, I would say the highest people on the, on the, on the hierarchy are the ones that have the most issues. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Which is so sad. And then we, and then as like, as like we're here and then they're there, we wanted to achieve something like, that yeah and it's it's just a cycle of like i don't know never ending unhappiness yeah it's a self-fulfilling prophecy almost uh, you know having wealth power and fame as the indicators of success when in reality i don't think they're great ways to measure success objectively but yeah. we are going into a completely new <laughs> very deep conversation uh, I know which we, I, know, I know we could just talk about a- anything <laughs> yeah we could we could dive into that one day 